This is Johnny Silva. I'm the pastor at Dilly First United Methodist Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope it builds your faith, and I hope it gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. Enjoy the message. There's a lot of things going on in our lives today, in the world today, and it's not always good. And there's a lot of chaos, things that need to be brought back in order, and things that need maybe a little bit more structure. And if we're honest with ourselves, maybe we admit this, maybe we won't, but we do crave structure. We do crave routine. We do crave order. Now, I know if you are a teenager, you might be thinking, nope, I don't like that. I don't like to be told what to do because I know better. Um, and thank you for thinking that. But um, in my humble and accurate opinion, you are not as right as you think you are. But with that said, I really do love my family. And, and you know I talk about my family a lot. And so yesterday, I <clears throat> was not able to make my son Jackson's swim meet because I was coming uh, back from out of town for a, um, a training, a teacher training. And, uh, but he was able to do well, and he did uh, all the strokes that he, he does, and then he, he was able to get some ribbons and all that sort of stuff, so he's really excited, and he wanted to show me, and, um, and it killed me that I couldn't be there. <clears throat> but uh, I'm very proud that he tried his best and one of the things that I try to do is I try to say, I want to expose you to all these different sports and hopefully you'll find something that you like. But just know that there's going to be a soccer season. There's going to be a basketball season. There's going to be a swimming season. Those are the big ones that we, we do. And then there might be other things in between there. Now, he's not as much into that as maybe I would like him to be. But for me, whenever I was growing up, again, my dad used to be a coach before I was born. So he was like, hey, I want you to do everything um, so you can find out what you want to do. So it wasn't a matter of, oh, I don't feel like it. It's like, okay, what's next? What's, what's the next sport? What am I going into next? And I, and I took that as something that my dad was teaching me so that I can teach my children. My children are both boys, which I was not expecting, but hey, here we are. And so, but with that, though, I, I think it's important to know that my father was trying to instill something into me that I can then instill in my children. And even though it's, it's sports, let's just kind of use that to begin with. But the full weight of it is that my dad wants better for me than he had. He didn't have that growing up. His dad was not really interested in what was going on with him as far as sports or anything else. And so my dad has a, a big family. He has five sisters and a brother, um, which I think is a lot. And the older, the oldest one is the brother. And so he was kind of somewhere in the middle and he got lost in the shuffle. But he found his way into things um, that were good. So he went into um, to church and he was an altar boy, a Catholic church. And then he was in sports and did all that sort of thing. But whenever it came to me having a son, he was saying, I want better for you than I had. So I want you to be, I want to expose you to these things, not just because um, it's good for you, but because I want better for you. The same things like he grew up in a particular way and he wanted better for me. He wanted me to succeed 
more so than he ever did. We want better for our children. And the same thing is true for me. Now I, I see that for, for my family. I want to be able to provide for my family. I want to be able to instill some good values in them so that they can then pass that on. Now, one of the, the, the things that I did this past, well, Tuesday, sorry, Thursday and Friday, was something called Capturing Kids' Hearts. And it's a training that we have to do, but you can look at it one of two ways. You have to be there so you can groan and, and mope about it or whatever, or you can say, I gotta be here, let's make the most of it. So that's what I did. I chose to do that. And so I got a lot out of it. And one of the things that they are, were training us about is having in the classroom a social contract. Now, I did this kind of, um, I, I figured it out a little bit too late in the year, but I, but I did something like that. Like there is a rules and regulations that we have in our, in our um, class, and this is the way we're gonna operate. This is the way we're gonna treat each other. So what capturing uh, kids' hearts is suggesting is that we do this from day one. The way that we greet one another, we greet them whenever they come in. So these teachers and students, um, we greet them as they come in. And then there's something for them to do all the time. And then there's a lot of things that go with that, but one of the things is a social contract, which is like everybody in, that's in the room is a team. And we together are gonna agree upon the ways that we can treat one another and that we will treat one another. And if those things are violated, then there's some um, results for that, some consequences for that as well. But it's very important that we have structure because it doesn't matter if you are a pre-K, if you are a middle schooler, teenager, if you're an adult, we crave structure. We crave order because there's a lot going on in the world that we have no control over. So if we can control just the small things, it sets our mind at ease just a little bit. And so the, the reason I'm bringing this up is because that social contract, the way that we agree upon how we treat one another, is just gonna be a piece of paper on a wall. Maybe it's laminated, but it's just gonna be that if we don't put it into practice. If we don't put it into practice, it's meaningless. It has no value. It's just something that hangs on the wall that everybody looks at maybe once in a while. But if we never revisit it over and over and over again every single day so that it can be part of our lives, the way that we live, then it's just a piece of paper and it means nothing. So then, with that in mind, I was thinking, how can I incorporate that? Yes, into my classroom, but how can I incorporate that into my life, into my family. So as you know, I have you know, my wife, I, I won't give her age, but uh, I have a nine-year-old boy and a five-year-old now boy, and everybody needs structure. Everybody needs structure. So I'm really seriously considering how can I incorporate this social contract into my house? The other thing I was thinking about was this. If it is so important, if my family is so important to me, like why would I give my very best at work and not do it at school, and not do it at home? 
I want to give my very best at home as well. I don't want to give my leftovers. So it should start at home. So one of the things that Laura and I are trying to incorporate is that into our home. The way that we're going to treat each other, the way that we act around each other, what is acceptable, what is not acceptable. Now it's something that we should have had in place and we do, but this is a very, um, a little bit more rigid and we can refer back to it every single day. So that's my plan. And the reason is, I care about my kids and I want them to bring whatever I teach them onto the next generation. But what am I teaching them? What am I teaching them? Am I teaching them that, that the Bible is something just that sits up on a shelf? Or is it a living word that we read from it every single day and we see how we can incorporate those words into our lives? I'll tell you, we don't do that 100% of the time. And so the Bible could have more significance for our family. Prayer, is it something that we just say uh, before meals and then afterwards we say, thank you, God, is that it? Maybe we say it before bedtime. But how can we incorporate it to every part of our lives? You see, those things are very important. And the giving part, it's not just enough to say, okay, what can I get from this? What's in it for me, as we talked about last sermon series? But what can I give? Because this has been given to me, what can I give in return? So having all of that as part of who we are as a Silva family, but also as a Christian, how can I incorporate that? How am I investing in my family? And I can tell you right now, I'm not doing the best job I can, and I know I could do better. Now, I'm sure y'all are probably a lot better at this than I am, but it's something that I really want to pay attention to in my family. But why? Why is it that we keep from doing that? Because as this sermon series suggests, is it's not personal. You see, the thing is, whenever we talk about faith, a lot of times we talk about that it's a personal issue. I don't really talk about it to too many people because it's a personal issue. Yeah, but faith, as we see here, Christianity and community, those go together. It's not personal. It's something that should be shared. And one of the first places that you should share it, we should share it, is with our families. And with all the things going on in, in the world, maybe we need to recenter and we need to have family be the center of our worlds once again. So with that said, what we're talking about today is legacy, what we're leaving behind. And I think that it's important to talk about that because we don't know how long we have. I mean, Jesus said that time and time again, like, I will not be with you very long, but what I'm teaching you, I want you to carry on. Jesus left a legacy with his disciples, his disciples left a legacy with the church, and on and on and on, and we are recipients of that. But think back, think back to your family. What are some of the traditions, what are some of the things that you learned from your parents? They wanted to make sure, absolutely sure, if you know nothing else, you know this. And maybe one of those things can be, please know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I love you, 
and that God loves you. That should be pretty simple, right? It should be uh, something that we really should know from the very beginning, but sometimes we forget that. So how do we remember this? Well, one of the things that we're looking at today is in the book of Deuteronomy, which I know it's not one of your bedtime readings at, at Deuteronomy. But when you think about Deuteronomy, one of the things you think about, maybe, is that this is part of the first five books of the Bible, which is referred to as, anyone? First five books? The Torah. Yeah, the Torah. So these are the, the first five books that are attributed to Moses. And with that, now I say attributed to, um, there's stuff that happens after his death um, that probably he didn't write, right? Because he was already dead. But they're attributed to him. And one of these is Deuteronomy. Now Deuteronomy comes after, if you remember how it goes, uh, it comes after Exodus. When Exodus, you know, that's whenever they, the Israelites left, the Hebrew slaves left Egypt and we're on the run for 40 years. And then finally we're going into the promised land. And before they can do that, Moses wanted to remind them, hey, just before we go into this, things have been pretty much the same for 40 years, a generation, and we've been living a certain way. Things are going to change. We're going to go into the promised land. Here's what I want you to remember. Here's a warning. Here's a, uh, something that you should heed. So the book of Deuteronomy basically revisits the Ten Commandments just before they're about to enter in. And then the Ten Commandments, if you think about it that way, and that's in Exodus chapter 20, you can look at it as there's ten things that God is trying to simplify. You don't have to worry about what to do, what not to do. I'm going to make it simple for you. I'm going to give you ten things to do and not to do, right? And to make that even simpler, you have the Ten Commandments. All the laws, all the prophets, all that sort of stuff can be brought down to these Ten Commandments. And then from that, you have the Shema. Can you all say that? Shema? Shema. So Shema, and you'll remember, you'll probably remember this, it's even shorter. So it's not the Ten Commandments, but it's even a little bit shorter. And it simplifies it uh, to a kind of bite-size understanding of what God expects of us, a social contract, if you will, that will be carried out with us for all of our days. So this is what we're going to be talking about today. And this is, again, we're talking about the legacy that we live, and it's found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. And it begins in this way. Now this is the commandment the statutes and the ordinances that the Lord your God charged me, Moses, to teach you, Israelites and us, to observe in the land that you are about to cross into and occupy. They haven't done it yet. So he's like, before we do this, the way I see it is like, um, we're going to go on a field trip or something. And, and the teacher has to say, all right, so here's what's going to happen. We're going to do this. Are we going to do this? No. Are we going to do this? No. Are we going to do this? Yes. That sort of stuff. Like, let me remind us of what we're supposed to do. I can, I can see, maybe not exactly, but that's kind of how I see it. And so let's remember this before we go and don't make a fool of me and that sort of stuff, right? 
continues. So that. So we remember all these things. So that. In order to. You and your children. And your children's children. May fear the Lord your God. All the days of your life. Now fearing the Lord your God. Doesn't mean I'm afraid of God. Maybe a little bit of it. But it means that I know who God is. I know who I am. I know my relationship with God. Then it continues. So, let's see. All the days of your life. And keep all of his decrees and his commandments that I am commanding you. So that your days may be long. So that you can live a, a good life, a long life. So that's where it kind of starts right there. And then what happens next is the Shema part. So before we get there, he's like, okay, this is what's going to happen. Everybody paying attention? Okay, here we go. Listen to this. We're going to revisit this time and time again until we get it right. Again, I just, because I was doing the teacher training and stuff, I can kind of hear a teacher's voice in my mind. But it says, this is the Shema part, right? Hear, therefore, O Israel, and observe them diligently so that it may go well with you keeps on going so it's not the Shema part yet it's getting there and so that you may multiply greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey the promised land and as the Lord the God of your ancestors has promised you okay so we're getting there here's the part where it's the Shema so Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4 is where it begins hear O Israel the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Another way I've heard it is, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Now, before we go on to the next part, that's one of the things that, that we think about here when we think about the Shema. This is what the Hebrew people will, will have known. If you have any friends that are, are of the Jewish faith, they will know this. This is a Shema. This is something... Kind of like we know, we know, we know, we know because it's been passed down. We've rehearsed it. We know it. It's been part of our lives. The Lord's Prayer that we just prayed not too long ago. Our Father who art in heaven. That's kind of the same sort of thing. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, or the Lord is one. And the reason it starts out like this, Shema actually means listen. So whenever it's talking about this, hear, O Israel, that's the Shema part, and then everything else that follows. But it's very important that it starts out this way. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Because you think about it, it was a very polytheistic, meaning many gods um, were, those were the societies around them, they um, worshipped many gods. The, the last of which that they encountered was in Egypt where they had the, the Pharaoh and all the, all the gods that they were worshiping. So it was very important that they distinguish themselves for the one true God. And this is where it begins. And then after that, this is what you'll probably remember. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Can you say that with me? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Does that sound familiar? 
If you think about it, that's when um, Jesus was asked the question. He was trying to be tricked. They wanted to trick Jesus. What is the greatest of all the commandments? And then he says this. He repeats the Shema. He says, love the Lord. He adds a little bit, but love the Lord your God basically with everything you had, with everything you have. And what's the second part of it that he adds on? And your neighbor as yourself. Right? So he adds a little bit to it, but everybody um, would have known the Shema. They would have known that part. And then after that, he goes into what, is, what does it mean to be a good neighbor? Goes into the, the Good Samaritan story. But it's important to see that Jesus knew this. It was part of who he was. The Shema is a part of a people of faith, the Israelites. And later on, what we now refer to as um, those that follow the Jewish faith. So they, a lot of times, will have um, like a like we have a cross around our neck sometimes. They might have something that looks like a scroll. And within that scroll, it's supposed to represent this, the Shema. It's something that it should be revisited over and over and over again. It should be a part of who we are. And so with that, it continues. Keep, that's the first thing. Here's the action part. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. It's the first thing, keep. Second thing. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away and when you lie down and when you rise. So what is that saying? Recite them, talk to them, use them in your daily, in your day, at all part, parts of the day, not just once a week for an hour, but every single part of your day, every single part of your life, let it be incorporated into your life. So that's the, first, the uh, so we heard keep, recite, bind, bind them as a sign on your hand. Fix them, it's the same thing kind of as bind, fix them as an emblem on your forehead. Meaning like let it be a part of your identity, who you are. And then write. Write them on the doorposts of your home and on your gates. So every time you see it, every time you leave, every time you, you, you come into your house, every time you go, you see it as a reminder all the time. So the things that are the action words here are keep, recite, bind, write. So there's action with this. It's not just, here's some good words to think about sometimes whenever you want to. Or when, No, it has to be a part of your life, all parts of your life, always. Not just the good times, not just the bad times, not just when you need it, because you know what? You need it always. So with this, it's very important to be thinking about how we as Christians can do something like this. Because this is not only, the Shema is not only something in the Old Testament, but it makes its way into the New Testament. And Jesus, this is one of the commands that Jesus gives. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. 
Everything hinges on these two commands. Everything. So it should be a part of who you are. And so the obedience that comes uh, with this. You see, Moses was trying to say, I know what happened long ago. I was there. And maybe we have a different generation and maybe they need to be reminded of that because what I am remembering is when I was there and I said, um, here's the Ten Commandments and then there was a golden calf there. Don't do that, right? I don't want you to have the same, I don't want you to make the same mistakes that your parents made. I don't want you to make the same mistakes that I did. I want better for you. I want better for you. So in, in order to do this, I'm making sure that you all do this all the time, all the time. So this was not just um, something that he thought of, ah, it's probably a good idea, but no, this is something that, that they needed. It's something that we need. And it's about obedience to those things, to love God with everything that we have, everything that we have. So it's about listening. So hear, O Israel, the, the Shema part. And it's about loving, the action part. And that love is how we take these words from just being words and we make them action. That's a part of who we are as Christians, as the one that follows God, as the one that really makes us who we are. So that's kind of the, the scriptural part to it. But now how do we make this a part of who we are? Again, if you look at the, the example that's given, they have it written everywhere. What does our house look like? What is, I mean, we probably might have a, a cross here or there, maybe some biblical sayings here or there. But they're just going to be those things, decorations, unless we make them a part of who we are. Now, I'll be the first one to tell you that I can do better at this that my wife and I can do better at this, that our family can do better at this. And so my challenge to you is to see what you can do to make all the things that God has put in your life to make it be a part of who you are, your identity, right? So that it's this social contract that we're talking about. This is how we treat one another. This is how we love one another. This is how we know who we are and whose we are and how to live in this world. Family is important. What we leave behind is important. What are you leaving behind? That's my question to you. It's my question to, to me. I know that my sons are going to be um, listening to me or not listening to me, but sometimes maybe sub, um, subliminally. subliminally. Anyway, um, it's going to make its way into them. And so hopefully, I don't want to just hope that they'll do good later down the road. But I want to make sure they're doing it now. I want to make sure it becomes a part of their routine. I want to make sure that it becomes a part of who we are as a family. And so my invitation to you is to see how we can do this as a church, how you can do this at home, because it has to be a part of your life, every single part of your life. What legacy are we leaving behind? How are we making sure that our family, that our loved ones, make Jesus the center of their, of their lives. How are we doing that? You're going to have to figure that out, but if you need help with it, you have people around you, 
that probably know a little bit more than you. I know that y'all know more than I do in a lot of ways, and so I'm here to learn as well. But we are a church family. We're a group. We're a team. And because of that, we want to see each other be successful. I want to see you be successful. You want to see your uh, family be successful. So let's do that together. I want to make sure that I set you up, that I set myself up and my family up for success. And by doing that, what I mean is, hear this, O church, the Lord your God is one. You shall and you will love the Lord your God with everything that you have. And I'll put a Christian spin on it too. And your neighbor as yourself. May it be so. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There's a couple of things I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And please share this message with friends and family to help us spread the gospel message. And thanks again for joining us on Dilly First United Methodist Church podcast. Blessings.